every year between 15 and 20 million people visit the shrine of Hussein. Hussein is the martyred grandson of the Prophet Muhammad and is the spiritual leader or imam for hundreds of millions of Shia Muslims. And yet he was hunted down heartlessly, hounded by hyenas, surrounded by snakes, harassed by sons of harlots, persecuted by pigs, tormented by terrorists, only to be slaughtered like a lamb and butchered like a baby. By whom? By the forefathers of Al-Qaeda, Daesh, and Al-Nusra. By the same demented and demonic terrorists who have brought hell to Algeria, Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Nigeria, Belgium, France, Spain, the UK, Canada, America, and beyond. Let us identify the guilty party. It's time for Progressive Spirit. Stay with us. You're listening to the podcast version of Progressive Spirit. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podomatic, TuneIn, or whatever podcast app you use to listen and give Progressive Spirit five stars, won't you? Contact me through ProgressiveSpirit.net with your thoughts and ideas about the show, and be sure to share this podcast on your social media. Follow on Facebook and Twitter. The website, again, is ProgressiveSpirit.net. For the Pacifica Radio Network and the Public Radio Exchange, and from the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Shuck. This week's episode and next week's episode go together. I don't have guests for these two shows. In fact, I am a guest, or I was a guest. I was one of several guest speakers for Hussein Day on April 28th that was sponsored by the Husseiniya Society of Greater Seattle. It was held at the Red Lion Inn in Bellevue, Washington. Hussein is a central figure in Shia Islam. Hussein was the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad, and Hussein was martyred in the year 680. The various speakers spoke about Hussein as well as the great pilgrimage Arbane, a pilgrimage of devotion to Hussein. I am, inshallah, which means if God wills it, going on that pilgrimage in a couple of weeks. The pilgrimage is from Najaf to Karbala, Iraq. Karbala is the site of Hussein's shrine. The pilgrimage I plan to take is about 50 miles on foot on the desert roads. This is the largest human gathering in the world. It's bigger than the Hajj in Mecca, yet Western media says so little about it that few people in the West are even aware of it. At Progressive Spirit, we're going to do our best to change that. I'm going on this pilgrimage because of a generous gift by the Husseiniya Society of Greater Seattle. They sponsored my trip as well as the trip of another church member who's great with the camera. And we hope to come back with some footage and some interviews. I'm already in love with Hussein. He was the real deal. During these next two episodes, you'll hear about Hussein and how he is, for those who are devoted to him, a door to truth and justice, and how his sacrifice revealed the true Islam, the Islam of love. There were six speakers at this event, Dr. John Morrow. Just like Christians believe that Jesus, peace be upon him, died so that we would know the truth, Shiite Muslims believe that Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, died so that we would know the truth. Sister Nicole Carreri. It's her voice we are recollecting every time we gather to remember the events of Karbala. It's her voice. Even if a imam or a maulana is male, they are speaking in the voice of Zainab. Sheikh Fadel Al-Salani. If somebody come and talk bad about you in your right, right ear, and if he come to the left ear and he ask for apology, accept his apology. Sheikh Ahmed Barini. Hussein is the most beautiful name written in mankind's birth certificate. Hussein means beauty. Can it be that we become a follower of beauty and not become beautiful. 
Maulana Mohammed Beg. Hussein has given me life, a life that is so pleasurable, a life that is so sweet, a life that is so fulfilling that I can't trade this. I can't even imagine exchanging this for anything else. Someone who's touched with the love of Hussein, he doesn't need anything else. He is fulfilled. The MC, Ali Ahmad. And so in our search for guidance and inspiration, we have found ourselves looking at a leader from another time. Hussein, whose comrades were men and women, young and old, of all colors, all classes. It was Hussein who preached a universal message of inclusion and not discordant politics. It was Hussein who rose to confront a hateful demagogue and taught us what we know. He taught us that those who are silent when oppressed are guilty of oppression themselves. Hussein's sacrifice and stand has brought people together of all faiths. And me. In this first episode, you'll hear from Dr. John Morrow and Sister Nicole Carreri. We begin with the introduction from our MC, a high school student, Ali Ahmad. Welcome to Hussein Day, the first interfaith conference on Imam Hussein in Seattle. We are fortunate that today we have members of the Christian, Jewish, Ahmadi, Bohri, Hindu, Sikh, Sunni, and Shia communities with us. And I hope I didn't leave anybody out. We would like to start, uh, start today's program with the recitation of Quran. I would like to invite Sister Izzah and Ajzadi. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wattini wazzaytun. Waturi sinin. Wahadal baladil ameen. لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن تقويم ثم رددناه أسفل سافلين إلى الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات فلهم أجر غير ممنون فما يكذبك بعد بالدين أليس الله بأحكم الحاكمين صدق الله العلي العظيم In the name of Allah, the most gracious and the most compassionate by the fig and the olive and by Mount Sinin and by this secure city, Makkah. We have certainly created man in the best of stature. Then we return him to the lowest of the low, except for those who believe and do righteous deeds, for they will, be, will have a reward uninterrupted. So, what yet causes you to deny the recompense? Is not Allah the most just of judges? So Hussein Day was proudly sponsored by um, Husseinia Islamic Society of Seattle and Global Initiative. Husseinia Society is an interfaith organization that aims beyond rituals and implementations of Imam Hussein's message of love and peace, justice, and bearing the true message of Islam. Hosseinia envisions becoming a melting place where people can come together and share and discuss ideas. They can become involved with the broader community. They can work on issues that they're passionate about. Recognizing that we all belong to one human race is the integral part of Hosseinia's vision and affirmatively addresses the issues on social justice. I'm now going to be giving a speech on who is Hussein. Hussein, son of Ali and Fatima, and the grandson of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon them all, was a 7th century revolutionary leader who made the ultimate stand for social justice and in the face of corruption and tyranny, he gave up everything, including his life, for his dignity, and for his society. 1400 years later, his message still reverberates and influences humanity at a moral and spiritual level. 
Without spirit and morality, religion gets reduced to ritual and politics to sheer tyranny. The question, therefore, before us is, what kind of world do we want for ourselves? And in my opinion, there's really only like one acceptable answer. We want a world that affirms the dignity and equality of every single human being. We want a world where we can celebrate the plurality and diverse of our multicultural societies. We want a world where we can guarantee the inalienable rights of every person. We want a world where no one group is ascribed of less value because of their gender or religion, race, wealth, nationality, or any other variable. We want a world where we all have the freedom of belief, where we all have the privilege of not worrying about discrimination and bigotry, where we all have the same access to opportunity and safety. Without civil rights, we are not civilized. And without human rights, we are not humane. And so in our search for guidance and inspiration, we have found ourselves looking at a leader from another time. Hussein, whose comrades were men and women, young and old, of all colors, all classes. It was Hussein who preached a universal message of inclusion and not discordant politics. It was Hussein who rose to confront a hateful demagogue and taught us what we know. He taught us that those who are silent when oppressed are guilty of oppression themselves. Hussein's sacrifice and stand has brought people together of all faiths. According to Dr. Rajendra Prasad, the first president of India who was a Hindu, the sacrifice of Imam Hussein was not limited to one country or nation, but is the heredity strait of brotherhood of all of mankind. With these words, I would like to address Dr. Morrow. Dr. Morrow is one of three Aboriginal people uh, recognized by the Canadian government embraced Islam at the age of 16. He has been a student at the Islamic Sciences for over 30 years and received his PhD from the University of Toronto. He retired from academia in 2016 and devoted his time entirely to research, scholarship, and service. Dr. Morrow has authorized hundreds of academ academic articles and over 30 scholarly books. The most influential of all is the covenants of Prophet Muhammad with the Christians. Please welcome Dr. Morrow. In the name of Allah, the light. Praise be to Allah, the light of lights. And peace be upon the Prophet Muhammad, his daughter Fatima Zahra, and the 12 Imams who were living reflections of divine luminosity. Greetings of peace and words of welcome. The Husseiniya Islamic Society of Seattle and Global Initiatives are pleased to host you for Hussein, peace be upon him, day on this 28th day of April of 2018. May Almighty God bless Sister Zahra Abedi, all the respected speakers who will share their words with you this evening and the audience as a whole. In the beginning, there was Allah, the one, the only. He was a hidden treasure who wished to be known. In the cold, dark space of eternity, he manifested his light. From his light, he revealed his treasure, the light of Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. From the light of Muhammad, he created Ali, Fatima, Hassan, and Hussein, namely, the light of his son-in-law, daughter, and grandchildren. From the light of Hussein, Allah created the lights of the nine following Imams, 14 infallibles featuring the Prophet, his daughter, and the 12 Imams. They were named after the names of God, the very manifestations of his divine attributes. Prior to creation, in the first world of particles, the world of shadows, or the world of the pact or covenant, the Prophet, Fatima, and the Imams were lights that surrounded the divine throne. From the light of the holy household, the Ahl al-Bayt, Allah created the light of the angels, the light of the prophets, and the light of human beings. Together, they took four oaths. They attested that Allah was one. They pledged loyalty to the prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, to Imam Ali, and to the imams from his progeny. All were initiated 
into the exoteric and esoteric reality of religion. As the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family said, Allah created me from the quintessence of light and called me, so I obeyed him. Then he created Ali from my light and called him and he obeyed. From my light and the light of Ali, he created Fatima. He called her and she obeyed. For me, Ali and Fatima, he created Al-Hasan and Al-Hussein. He called them and they obeyed him. Allah has named us with five of his names. Allah is Al-Mahmud, the praised, and I am Muhammad, worthy of praise. Allah is Al-Ali, the high, and this is Ali, the one of high rank. Allah is Al-Fatir, creator out of nothing, and this is Fatima. Allah is the one with Hassan, beneficence, and this is Hassan. Allah is Muhassan, the beautiful, and this is Hussein. He created nine imams from the light of Al-Hussein and called them and they obeyed him. Before Allah created either heaven on high, the outstretched earth, the air, the angels, or man. We were lights who glorified him, listened to him, and obeyed him. In the second world of particles, Allah took the light of Muhammad and Ali and with it created the particles of Adam and from him all of humanity. Allah gathered all the souls and asked them, am I not your Lord? They all testified to his divine unity. Allah then commanded the lights to prostrate to Adam since he contained the light of Muhammad and Ali, which was the very light of Allah. And so they did, all save Iblis or Satan. And so we were for eons in the world of souls and spirits, immersed in the warmth and radiance of divine love. Allah said, be, and it was. He created the physical world out of the light of Muhammad. Peace and blessings be upon him and his progeny. The universe came into being with a big bang. After ages, our planet came into existence, and after billions of years, it was suitable for our physical atom to surface. In him was placed the light of Muhammad in Ali. Allah bless them and grant them peace. And so began the voyage of divine light from Adam, peace be upon him, down to the historical prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of God be upon him and his progeny. The light of the prophet passed to his daughter Fatima, God bless them both. It rejoined the light of Ali to produce Hassan and Hussein, Peace and blessings be upon them all. Light upon light, nur ala nur. The light of the light was passed down to Imam Hussein, alayhi salam. Such is Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, from a spiritual and metaphysical point of view. You may accept, you may reject. However, a tantalizing taste of the esoteric you have been given, an essential compliment to the exoteric. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his purified progeny, received revelation. He was sent to renew and revive the religion of Abraham, peace be upon him. Through him, God's religion was completed and perfected, although truth is to be found in all divinely revealed religions. He insisted from day one from the very first time he preached the message of Islam to his extended family and kin, that Ali salam, was to be his heir and his successor, both spiritually and politically. He repeated this divinely revealed mandate regularly throughout his mission. He said that Ali was to him what Aaron was to Moses, that the truth was with Ali and that Ali was with the truth and that Ali would be the master and guardian over everyone over whom the Prophet Muhammad had been master and guardian. May peace and blessings be upon the Messenger of Allah and his holy household. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and the people of his house, proclaim that he was leaving behind two weighty obligations, the Quran and his Ahl al-Bayt, the people of his household.
He stated that the people of the house, the imams from his progeny, were like the ark of Noah, and that anybody who boarded it would be saved, and those who failed to board it would be doomed. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and his purified progeny, stated that he would be followed by 12 caliphs or successors, and that the last of them would be the Mahdi, the divinely guided one, who would reappear along with Jesus at the end of times. May Allah hasten their reappearance. Ilahi Amin, Ya Rabbil Alameen. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and his purified progeny, warned the Imam Ali that the community would betray him. He foretold that his grandson, Imam Hussein, would be slaughtered by a segment of the so-called Muslim community. Wallahi, the Archangel Gabriel, peace be upon him, informed the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, that his beloved grandson, peace be upon him, would be martyred in Karbala. He even brought him soil that was soaked in his blood. Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, was the Waliullah, Hujatullah, Khalifatullah, Babullah, Ayatullah al-Kubra, al-Mathal al-Ala, and al-Urwa al-Wufqa, the friend of Allah, the proof of Allah, the viker of Allah, the door to Allah, the supreme sign of Allah, the august symbol, and the most solid handle. He was the spiritual and temporal successor of his grandfather, the Messenger of Allah, despite the fact that he was deprived of his right by Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, may God send him to Guantanamo Bay, or better yet, subject him to extraordinary rendition. That sounds even scarier. Imam Hussein had no political ambition, he never tried to overthrow the Umayyads militarily. He devoted himself to piety and passing down the true teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family. He posed no military threat to the oppressive and despotic superpower of the time. He engaged in passive resistance. He was entirely nonviolent. Yazid, the rotten fruit from the rotten tree, succeeded his father and continued to spread corruption on earth. What is more, he wanted all Muslims to be complicit in his crimes. In fact, he demanded allegiance from Imam Hussein, peace be upon him. When he refused, he planned to have him kill at the Kaaba during the Hajj or pilgrimage to Mecca. Hussein, peace be upon him, refused to submit in word or in action to Yazid for to recognize him as caliph or successor of the prophet was tantamount to recognizing Satan as God. Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, left the holy Hijaz and headed towards the city of Kufa, which was a traditional stronghold for the followers of his father. Imam Ali, peace be upon him, he knew he would never make it. In fact, he headed directly to the land of his destiny, the desert region known as Karbala. There, his small band of family members, friends, companions, and supporters were surrounded by the armies of injustice and oppression. Vastly outnumbered and outarmed, they were systematically slaughtered. Although some Shiite Muslims reduce the martyrdom of Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, to a political event, his providential death was profoundly significant on a spiritual plane. Just like Christians believe that Jesus, peace be upon him, died so that we would know the truth, Shiite Muslims believe that Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, died so that we would know the truth, so that the truth of Islam, original Islam, Mohammedan Islam, would survive until the end of days. As the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family, said, Hussein is the leader of the youth of paradise. 
As the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family, said, Hussein is my offspring in this world. As the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his holy household, said, Hussein is from me and I am from Hussein. May Allah love those who love Hussein. As the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his purified progeny, said, Whoever loves Hussein, he surely loves me. And yet he was hunted down heartlessly, hounded by hyenas, surrounded by snakes, harassed by sons of harlots, persecuted by pigs, tormented by terrorists, only to be slaughtered like a lamb and butchered like a baby. By whom? By the forefathers of Al-Qaeda, Daesh, and Al-Nusra. By the same demented and demonic terrorists who have brought hell to Algeria, Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Nigeria, Belgium, France, Spain, the UK, Canada, America, and beyond. Let us identify the guilty party. During the first year of his rule, Yazid, the archetypal tyrant and servant of Satan, killed the grandson of the prophet, the archetypal holy man and servant of God. During the second year of his rule, Yazid pillaged and plundered the sacred city of Medina. His forces killed over 10,000 people, including nearly 1,000 companions of the prophet. Over 1,000 women became pregnant as a result of rape. To top it all off, he burned down the Holy Kaaba in Mecca, the Holy of Holies, during the third year of his rule. And yet he had and has followers to this very day. Some of them were very fervent. It was in their vested interest to support the oppressive regime. It benefited them financially and politically. Most of the masses simply shrugged their shoulders, obeyed the government blindly like livestock, and followed their leaders like lemmings, even if it meant plunging into the ocean of eternal fire. But Hussein said no. I say no. We say no. Hell to the no. We refuse to remain quiet in the face of injustice, for tumult and oppression are worse than slaughter. Give us liberty or give us death. Death before dishonor. Stand on the right hand of history. Side with the poor, the meek, the downtrodden, the discriminated, the persecuted, and the oppressed. Stand for the truth, no matter the cost. As the Lord of Martyrs, peace be upon him, said, a death in dignity is better than a life of humiliation. I repeat, a death in dignity is better than a life of humiliation. Such is the message of Imam Hussein, peace be upon him. So peace be upon you, O father of Abdullah, peace be upon you, O son of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon you, commander of the faithful and the son of the inheritors of the Prophet, peace be upon you, O son of Fatima, the leader of the women of the universe. Assalamu alaikum ya Abdullah. Assalamu alaikum ya Ibn Rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum ya Ibn Amir al Mu'minin wa Ibn Sayyid al Wasi'ina. Assalamu alaikum ya Ibn Fatima Sayyidati Nisa'i al Alamina. May peace and blessings be upon you all. And may peace and blessings be upon the Prophet and his purified progeny. Salawat ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. This is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. You just heard a presentation by Dr. John Morrow about Imam Hussein, the spiritual leader and reformer who was martyred 1,400 years ago. Sister Nicole Carreri is next. She'll talk about Hussein's sister, Zainab, and the yearly pilgrimage, or ziyara, to Hussein's shrine. Last year, between 15 and 20 million people participated. I'm John Schock. Don't go away. 
Progressive Spirit is produced every week. It couldn't happen without the financial support of my congregation, Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. Southminster's website is www.southmin.org. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon for the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, as well as podcast. Show KBOO some love, won't you? KBOO.FM and click Donate. You're listening to Progressive Spirit. The website is ProgressiveSpirit.net. Go there for the links to websites about the speakers and the Husseinia Islamic Society of Greater Seattle, who sponsored the event, the host of the Hussein Day Conference. I'm John Shuck. Our next speaker tonight is going to be Sister Nicole Correri. Sister Nicole Correri is a prominent speaker and activist. And with her academic background and passion for religion, she is a powerful voice and impacts relevant and meaningful Islamic content to audiences all over the world, guiding them to think, reflect, and act. She has a master's in Islamic studies and Christian-Muslim relations from Hartford Seminary. Please welcome Sister Nicole Carreri. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وتبيب نفوسنا أبو الفاطمة محمد Good evening everyone I bid you an evening of peace and I am grateful for the opportunity to be here as one of the speakers. I'm here to speak to you about Zainab, the leader, Zainab, the sister of Imam Hussein and the granddaughter of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For those of you who don't know the words I'm using, I want to give a small translation. I began by saying, I began in the name of God. I also asked for protection from the accursed shaitan or Satan, and I gave praise and blessings to Prophet Muhammad, something that we often do in our gatherings, and you'll hear many times this evening when we praise and honor him as we have learned from the Holy Quran itself. And I've called the Prophet Muhammad our leader, our prophet, the beloved of our heart, and the doctor of our souls. And that's what I've just read to you. And I also called him the father of Fatima. Often his uh, nickname is the father of Qasim, his son who passed away in infancy. But I chose specifically to call him the father of Fatima because I'm speaking to you about a lineage. And I'm speaking to you about Zainab, who is the daughter of Fatima and who really embodied the principles of her mother and her divine and holy family. So I also want to begin in the way that the Ahlul Bayt taught us, and I want to praise God. I use the word Allah, which means the God, the source, the power. It has no gender. God, Allah, according to the Quran, is neither male nor female. This word Allah cannot be made into a plural. It is a very unique way to call upon the divine. So when I say Allah, know that I am referring to the one God. And I want to begin by giving praise to Allah, who sees and hears all things, and Allah, whose plans cannot be frustrated, and to whom everyone is accountable, who gives us life and free will to earn whatever good we can. And the way in which I've just chosen to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah the Most High, is really how Zainab lived her life. And you'll hear a little bit about how she embodied these points I've just mentioned. So who is Zainab? We see in the Holy Quran in Surah An-Nisa, which is the fourth chapter of the Holy Quran, verse 135, it says in translation, O ye who believe, stand out firmly for justice as witnesses to Allah even against your own selves or your parents, or your kin, whether it be against rich or poor, for Allah can best protect both. Follow not the lusts of your hearts, lest ye swerve 
and ye distort justice, or decline to do justice. Verily, Allah is well acquainted with all that you do. And this verse I chose specifically because Zainab embodied this. She stood out firmly for justice. She stood strong in the face of tyranny and threats and intimidation. And she is a role model as a leader for all Muslims and for all people of conscience and for all people of belief and faith. She was the noble granddaughter, as I've mentioned, of the Holy Prophet of Islam and the sister of Imam Hussein. And again, she embodied this verse with her whole being. She gave everything without fear. She is really a powerful role model, as I mentioned, for all of us. And in many ways, her message is particularly relevant to us today in our times where social injustice and ethical issues confront us every day in the headlines we see. Today, headlines come up on our smartphones and we read of continued injustice, continued degradation, continued disregard for ethical behavior. And we're seeing this every day. So calling upon her as a figure and looking to her as a role model is significant for all of us at this time. It's a great reminder. So who is she? I want to talk to you about how Zainab was many things, but amongst some of her qualities, she was a religious authority. She was a religious educator. She was a leader. And she was someone who stood out against oppression. In the historical sources, we see that Zainab is described as a hafidah of the Quran and prophetic traditions. That means she was someone who memorized the Holy Quran and memorized holy traditions to be able to teach it to others. She was knowledgeable and qualified to answer jurisprudential questions on par with her brothers, Hassan and Hussein. And we see in Tabrisi's Al-Ihtijaj, in a hadith attributed to Imam Zain al-Abidin, who is the fourth Shi'i Imam, Zainab is called Alima ghayru mu'allim. Alima ghayra mu'allim. Which means someone who's so knowledgeable that she doesn't need others' knowledge. And in another reference, she's described as being available to the Muslims as an authority to answer jurisprudential questions. Moreover, here's the quote, she represented her brother Imam al-Hussein whenever he was absent. Hence, Muslims used to refer to her in the questions concerning Islamic law. And it was because of her extensive knowledge that Imam Zain al-Abidin, Abdullah ibn Jafar, Lady Fatima, daughter of Imam Hussein, Muhammad ibn Amr, and Atta ibn al-Sa'ib used to quote Zainab's sayings or hadith, traditions. They would quote her. Now, Zainab was also a religious educator. She would hold special gatherings in Kufa, the city that you heard mentioned in Dr. Morrow's introductory remarks. And she would guide the believers on religious matters. She would give the tafsir of the Holy Quran. And also, there's a hadith that describes how she would be there to respond to questions and answer just as her brothers would. And she also represented Imam Zain al-Abidin in his illness. That means she was qualified enough to represent the Muslims as a leader. She stood at the level of her counterparts. She was a leader, as I've mentioned several times. And in a beautiful biography called The Victory of Truth, The Life of Zaina bint Ali, the author Bill Grammy says, after Karbala, no one was left that had courage to stand up to tyranny, to speak truth, and submit to the consequences, declaring not herself, but the truth. Now, Bill Grami goes on to emphasize that it's partly through her, through Zainab, that the prophetic legacy was rescued from being eclipsed by the ever-present shadows of kufr, or the denial of truth. She was there to make sure that that eclipse didn't take place. Now, she faced the injustices and the insufferable degradations of the Umayyads. She saw the slaughter, she saw the horrifying battles of Karbala. And despite all of this, she was courageous 
and steadfast, and she spoke the truth in the face of violence, aggression, intimidation, and threats, all the while keeping an unwavering commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to God most high. That's powerful. That's how faith helps you have strength in this world, and she embodied it. Not only did she confront Yazid, the Umayyad Caliph, but she spoke openly to the Kufans to chastise them for their disloyalty, for their abandonment of Imam Hussein. And I want to read from the speech that we have recorded within the tradition, how she spoke out to the leader Yazid, how she declared that despite his position, she was not intimidated because of her faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She says to him, O Yazid, do you believe that you have succeeded in closing the sky and the earth for us and that we have become your captives just because we have been brought before you in a row and that you have secured control over us? Do you believe that we have been afflicted with insult and dishonor by Allah and that you have been given honor and respect by him? You have become boastful of this apparent victory that you have secured, and you have started feeling jubilant and proud over this prestige and honor. You think that you have achieved worldly good and that your affairs have become stabilized and our rule has fallen into your hands. Wait for a while. Do not be so joyful. Have you forgotten Allah's saying that the believers have the impression that the time allotted to them by us is good for them? Surely we give them time so that they may increase their evil deeds and eventually they will be given insulting chastisement. This is just the beginning of the speech that she directed toward the oppressor of her time. Imagine all the tragedy, all the difficulty, all the horror she went through, but yet was able to be eloquent, poignant, powerful in the face of the tyrant. That's an amazing example for all of us. And as I said, she's also a source of our tradition. It is because of Zainab that we have what we now know today as the Majlis Ta'ziyah, or the gathering of mourning, where Shia gather to remember the tragedies of Karbala with open lamentation and eloquent remembrance Immediately after her captivity in Damascus, she began this tradition, and we continue today. Bill Grammy also says, the strength of Zainab's submission was divine, yet her lamentation poignantly human. She even made her enemies cry and weep for the horror that they had inflicted upon the beloved household of the prophet. So this ceremony, this majlis, is an opportunity for us to console, to comfort, and give solace to those who grieve for this tragedy. And Zainab figures prominently in this aspect of the ritual. It's her voice we are recollecting every time we gather to remember the events of Karbala. It's her voice. Even if a imam or a maulana is male, they are speaking in the voice of Zainab. That's so important to realize. That is so important. It is her that we are remembering through. It is her that we are seeing the tragedies of Karbala through. It is her courage that we find the purpose of this sacrifice. And I want to remember how she empowered us through her strength, through her leadership, through her steadfastness, through her faithfulness. She's got powerful qualities. There's an author by the name of Karen Ruffle. She's in Toronto. She's a professor. She says in her study of South Asian Shiism that Zainab, her bravery and her charismatic blood that runs through her veins make her larger than life, yet profoundly real and understandable. She brings us the understanding of the events of Karbala. She awakens our hearts to the injustice. Now, 
metaphorically, she was not on the battlefield, but she uplifted that battle standard, and she led the way forward after the tragedy, ultimately being a force in protecting the religion of her grandfather from, again, being totally eclipsed by the power-hungry Umayyads. Now, I want to share with you an aspect of the devotion that we as Shia have that is in line with the majlis. And it is what you saw in the brief video clip before we began this evening, this image of people walking, this pilgrimage. It is not an obligatory pilgrimage as the hajj is for us. It is a unique devotional pilgrimage that we embark upon. And it's often done during the period called Arba'in, or the 40 days after the death of Imam Hussein, where his death is commemorated and remembered, and still lamented. This walk is significant. Now this place, you've heard the name a couple times this evening, Karbala. It comes from the root Karb, relating to agonies, sorrow, Bala, afflictions. It is a place where great affliction and sorrow took place. I myself have been on this Arba'in walk twice, and another time at, a, at another point in the year, also doing a walk from Najaf to Karbala. And it is an honor to have been a zawar or a visitor of Imam Hussein Abbas in these very, very holy places. And I want to share a little bit with you, because ziyara has a very significant meaning. Ziyara means to put things behind oneself and move forward towards a goal. Often when you are in a Muslim community, a Shia Muslim community, you use this word ziyara, you think it specifically means visitation alone. And that is correct. It does mean that. But it has a deeper meaning. To put other things behind you and move towards a goal. Zaur is a root to deflect, turn away, turn away from worldly things and seek union with the righteous guides and servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To embody their message and to create and focus on a direction to serve the one and only power. And when we go on this beautiful walk as Shia of Adi and Shia of Hussein and Shia of Zainab, Shia, by the way, means the follower, the party of, yes? We are sharing that commitment. We are affirming that commitment. We are saying we want to be on this path. This is our direction. And in this way, we want to embody their message. We want to align with these noble and lofty ideals. And we do it through this very challenging, sacrificial pilgrimage. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. So within our tradition, we have references that indicate that, yes, indeed, this is a tradition worthy of continuing. We have recommendations to go on ziyara from our sixth Imam, Imam Jafar al-Sadiq We have indications from Imam al-Askari that it's a sign of a true believer to go on the ziyara or this pilgrimage. We also have history of prominent companions of the Holy Prophet and Imam Ali that also went on this pilgrimage. So this is part of our tradition. Now, one thing that you may not know, especially for those of you who are our guests this evening, this pilgrimage, which again is not required, but is very unique, is the largest, most peaceful spiritual gathering in the world. There's no other gathering, not even the Hajj, that has as many people who go on this walk. 15 to 20 million people are estimated to go on the Arba'in walk every year, and the numbers keep growing. They keep growing. Since Saddam Hussein uh, was deposed, more and more people have returned to this tradition. And even during his time, those who went, they risked literally life and limb to be able to define their identity as Shia. Yeah, subhanAllah. I want to say that my personal experience was profound to see the love, the loyalty, the commitment, the devotion, and the sacrifice. You can go on this walk 
from the city of Najaf, which is a holy city for us as well, because Imam Ali is buried there, and there's a long history for the Shia there, to Karbala. You walk, takes about three days. People come from even further as well. But in that walk, you don't have to pay for a thing. You will be sheltered. You will be fed. You will be given medical services. You will be given religious support and guidance. You will be given feet massages. You will be given bread. You'll be given dates. You'll be given tissues. You'll be given attar or perfumes so that you are beautiful when you arrive at the gates of the city of Karbala where the shrine of Imam Hussein is and the shrine of his half-brother Abbas is. It's the most amazing experience. And it's a pity that I only have one more minute to talk to you about this. See me later, I'll tell you more. And I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of this experience as I speak to you tonight because I was there. I was there as a Zohar. And it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. But I want to share with you the words of my mother and my father who, may God bless his soul, has passed from this earth on what they thought about the pilgrimage to Karbala. My mother said, when you see the devotion of these pilgrims, it shows you what true Islam is. They show such sincerity. This to me is a thing of beauty. Kids, people in wheelchairs, making that trek. That's something. It's phenomenal. I'm glad, she said to me, that you went on this pilgrimage. You had stamina, and I'm glad you made it back safely. If the world knew about this pilgrimage, they would appreciate Islam more, and they wouldn't judge it so harshly and quickly. That's my mother, who didn't want me to become Muslim, and who didn't want me to wear hijab, and who, mashallah, came to understand this very profound message. And my father, may God bless his soul, said, yes, it was a journey of true devotion and sacrifice. It was awesome and mind-boggling to observe those walking, and you, Nicole, were among them. Thank you for your attention this evening. May you all be blessed and inspired by this message of Zainab, our leader, and her beloved family the progeny of our Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You just heard part one of a part two presentation on Imam Hussein, the seventh century spiritual leader and martyr who defines Islam for hundreds of millions of people. We'll hear more about Hussein next week, as well as more about Arba'ain, the great pilgrimage that will take place in October. Progressive Spirit is formatted for radio and is distributed every week through the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the public radio exchange. Progressive Spirit is perfect for public radio, community radio, and college radio stations. Pick up a podcast at ProgressiveSpirit.net. Follow also on Facebook and Twitter. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Schock. Be well. Hussein, you are my guide.